0: Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Book Club on Sunrise Robot, where we put the epic in epic fantasy. I'm Susan. I'm Jeanette. I'm Tara. And how are you guys?
1: I'm good. Yeah. I, good. I'm really good. That is good to hear. I've been a, yeah. I've been on a reading kick, too, since the wedding. Like, just, I've gone <sighs> through like five books in the last month. So jealous. Every couple of weeks. Oh, it's so nice. It, well, i barely read all year. You're making so up for lost up the time. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, jealous, jealous. My goodness. It's like my book bingo sprint. All
0: over, <laughs> yeah. That's great, though. I'm glad you got to get a chance to catch up.
2: So, how are you doing, Jeanette? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I'm actually kind of slowing down. I was going through, like, tons and tons of books last week but now this is my first week off and i'm like okay i'm gonna go through my book really really slowly
1: well you've already hit yeah 50 i was gonna say year. 51 <laughs> okay <laughs> 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 sorry excuse me 51 books so many books you had to increase your challenge mm-hmm. on Goodreads. yeah that's to 100 so spectacular that's insane. I'm
2: really actually very excited <laughs> about that. I've been wanting the past couple of years to try to do 100 books in a year. And with grad school, I was like, that's never happening. So this year, no grad school, no summer classes, no summer work. So, hey, why not try and knock out 50 more books?
0: You know. Seems like a good time to do that.
2: Yeah, why not? Isn't <laughs> that what normal people do with their summers? I don't know.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> i i just yes you're a teacher you have time you can read all the books i just can't imagine i mean i love reading but i can't imagine reading a 100 books in a year yeah and like live like and and do anything else I think, and I know you're busy. I, I see what you do on Facebook. I know what you're doing. I don't know how you have the time.
2: Yeah. I read also in really weird places, and this is like reader's confession time, but I read I read while I'm blow-drying my hair. I read while I'm getting <laughs> yeah, really? dressed in the morning. <laughs> Yesterday, I kid you not, I was reading while I was folding laundry. I mean, I read at really weird times. Oh,
0: that's so- funny.
2: You know, it's easy to get, you know, through a 300 page book when you're reading like 15 pages while you're blow drying your hair. So
1: how, That's, how, how do, you, do like, you never mind. <laughs> just record you, you should do a YouTube video <laughs> just about this? Like, where are the weird places where Jeanette that reads you read and how do you do that? <laughs> no, I would watch that. I'm not kidding. You oh, my gosh.
0: It. It's just like people watching um, other people play video games. Why
1: not exactly. have other people no. watch you read? Well, like it, it could be <laughs> like one of those. That's not creepy buzz- or stockery at all. No. Nope. No, think about it. It could be one of those BuzzFeed presents, sort of like make <laughs> it funny. Like these are all the weird places I read. Like I, I think it'd be hysterical. Oh, that's I, funny.
2: Like I said, I read in weird places. I read like, and here's like the nerdy thing. Like most of the time when I go to the library, I know what I'm picking up because that's the only way I can go into the library or I pick up everything. And so, when I'm walking out of the library, I've usually got a book in hand that I'm so excited to read that I start reading it on the way from the library door to the car or on the walk home because I can walk to my library on the walk home. So, I'm like walking across parking lots with like this book in my hand reading. That's pretty so, awesome. Yeah, I, I read in some weird and maybe unsafe places. Um, <laughs> unsafe? Well, it's a parking uh, lot.
1: Yeah. Oh, true. Um, t- talking about reading uh, well really when are we not yeah, right about reading but <laughs> what is everyone reading right now
0: uh well i'm reading the rosie effect by grim simpson and oh the sequel to the Rosie. yes project? the sequel to the rosie how- project how is that not as good as the first oh um, disappointing rosie's really frustrating um you guys know kind of what the this one is about
2: I don't um, I think I remember reading like a blurb like they're not in Australia anymore, right? No,
0: they moved to New York and uh Rosie find out she's pregnant. So it's Ooh. Yeah, it's basically them handling her pregnancy. And so far it's not so good and it's really frustrating. <laughs> um Aww, yeah, Yeah, I'm only halfway through. Um I had to put it down so I can tackle Kushiel's Dart. So that's <laughs> <laughs> fair. <laughs> I
1: like I like the phrasing on that tackle. yeah <laughs> that's that's actually very you
0: know, i had to kind of tackle it but um i'm picking it back up so hopefully i'll get a little better but it's just rosie's just really frustrating and don is fine he's acting normally but for don yeah for don um
1: i was gonna say how normal is normal eh, for yeah
0: normal for don um it's rosie that's really been the big problem so we'll see how it turns out mm, that's such a
1: bummer yeah what about you net
2: I am reading White Teeth by Zadie Smith. It's a book I've been like dying to read for years and years now. Um, it's about these two men; they're friends from World War One, and they get married. At, and the, and we flash forward like thirty years to when they've gotten married and they've had their children. And it's the story of them and their children and these people of different cultures living in England. And, okay, yeah, it's really interesting. If you've read The Casual Vacancy by J.K. Rowling, right. um, it kind of... It's similar. It reminds me of that in, like, the field
1: economic, yeah.
2: ...of it, like, you know, different families in London trying to kind of deal with each other and their
1: discomfort with each other. Um. So are the main characters white? Are they... What what are the... Who are the main characters? Well, it kind of
2: shifts in each section of the book. The first section is about Archie, and he's white, but his wife is Jamaican. Okay. And then the second section is about his best friend, Samad, who is uh, from Bangladesh, and so is his wife. And then the third section is about Archie's daughter, who is, of course, half white, half Jamaican, and she's 15 years old, and she's kind of dealing with life as, you know, a mixed-race child in London, and her father and her father's best friend still, like, live half in the past with half in the war glory days. And her mother is, like, trying to be comforting and understanding, but, you know, she's 15. They don't get her. Um, So it's... I mean, it's really, really good. It's The writing is excellent. That, that's what reminds me of J.K. Rowling. Um, the wit is a little bit more subtle than J.K. Rowling. Um, but there are parts that literally make me laugh out loud, and that's actually why I've been wanting to read it so long. I picked it up in a bookstore um, many, many years ago, and I read the first chapter, and it cracked me up. And it's a chapter about Archie, you know, trying to decide whether or not he wants to kill himself. So you wouldn't think that's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, but there were like, there's just a lot of really subtle and sly wit in there. And you're like, this shouldn't be funny, but it kind of is. And so it kind of makes me laugh aloud at places like just this morning. um, I was reading it before we started here and I was like giggling. So.
1: Okay, cool. It's a cool book. Well, let, let us know how it goes. I will uh i'm reading the darkest part of the forest by holly black um i've literally only read the first page the first page <laughs> has beautiful language what i like about holly black a lot is that um and i feel bad because what i love about her is also why i don't read enough of her probably is she has wonderful fantasy standalones mm. but because they're standalones i don't feel this um rushing need to pick up the book so that i can get through the series so i'm always like yeah no i'll get to it yeah no i'll get to it yeah no, i'll see. get to it so i'm finally i'm finally picking this one up um but it, it's the language is really gorgeous so far um i'll let you know how how it goes <laughs> is the cover pretty
2: oh it's gorgeous that's what i love about holly black books is the writing is good and the covers are so pretty that's what <laughs> attracted me to my, to my first judge. holly black book
1: you're not supposed to judge the book by
2: the cover, net. I didn't judge the book by the cover. It was really pretty. It attracted my attention. And then I read the back cover. And it was Well,
1: <laughs> well good job marketing yep. people. Co- the cover
2: there.
0: really good does job. matter, so I unfortunately. It does. I yep. hate saying that. It does.
1: It does. Um Well, one last thing. I know we have a we have spent some time creating our top five fantasy book list. Um, for summer reading. Summer's coming up and everybody has a list. Book Riot has a list. My grandmother has a (laughs) list. Literally everybody. Um, And we created a list, yay, um, of our top five fantasy series. So none of these are standalones. Sorry, Holly. It'll take you the
0: whole summer to read them.
1: (laughs) mm -hmm. Well, it depends
2: how quickly you go and if you're reading across a parking lot.
1: (laughs) Number five on our list is the Sandman series by Neil Gaiman. So, yeah, yes, 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 it's a graphic novel. And if you've never read it before, you should read it now. Um, They're very in-depth graphic novels. They have a ton of writing on every single page. And the art art is just gorgeous. Everyone here has read Sandman, right? Oh, yes.
2: I just read it, actually, I would say maybe last year or the year before I finally finished it oh, man. Mm -hmm. I was like, why didn't I not pick this
1: up sooner? And uh, there's nine graphic... There's nine uh, uh, graphic novels to the series, and the eighth one kills you. The eighth one literally puts a dagger into your heart. Um, I think they expanded it, didn't they? There's definitely, like, prequels now, and then there's the Death. Death Mm, has her own series. Um, But, like, the core of the Sandman series is, is nine. Yeah. Yeah. I read it. Right. I I feel like that's
0: right. (laughs) I read it a few years ago. um, And so it's not quite fresh in my memory, but I still know that like, I love it. Like it still resonates with me. Like really
1: good. I've reread it twice. And the last time was about a year Mm -hmm. and a half ago. Uh, They're really, it's really powerful. People say that now, you know, it was written a while mm-hmm. ago, but people say, like, now there's, like, some problematic issues with certain uh, characters, but really, at the time, it was groundbreaking just to have those types of characters in there. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy it, and I love, to this day, I love The Endless. I love the idea of Sandman and The Endless, and that there are these seven um endless concepts of the universe and that they can take on any sort of form And, and the story behind them and who they are and what that means to the universe. And it's very, you know, there's these smaller plot lines going on that are very human, but at the same time there's this larger plot line about what these concepts mean to the inhabitants of our existence. And it's, it's really a powerful story. All right, number four, Marion Zimmer Bradley's The Miss of Avalon series. So we actually read this one for a book club. Yeah, a, cu- a couple yes. of years ago,
2: I want to say. Yeah, I think two or three years yeah. ago we read that.
1: It was our winter
2: mm-hmm. read. Yes, it was a winter read. We always do these big books in the winter.
1: <laughs> Except Crucial Start was spring. in summer. <laughs> the spring.
2: Yeah, we do some in Ish? spring and summer, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, what did you all love about Miss of Avalon?
0: It was definitely different than the uh, the legend you usually hear. Um and the characters, the female characters are very strong no matter what side you are on. Um really complex characters yeah. too.
1: Bad mm-hmm. Great bad guys, great good yeah. guys. Yeah. And sometimes you don't the good the bad guys were once good or they mean to be good, but they're, you know, it's not an easily you know, the, there's no really clear moral draw no. in the sand. And a lot of times Arthur's the idiot. Yes.
0: Like a lot of the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. That's so true. <laughs> I got
2: frustrated with him a lot while I was reading that.
1: <laughs> yeah. But there's, but I also. Oh, sorry oh, I was
2: just going to say, but the, the characters, I mean, they're, you know, sometimes they're idiots. Sometimes they're not, but they're so well written. Like they're so real. Like, you really feel for them. Like the bad guys, you really like get mad at them. The good guys, you really support them and you do get mad at them when they're idiots.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do think this definitely falls into an epic fantasy series. It's a beast of a book to tackle. The magic system and faith system in the book is really complicated, but in a beautiful way. And I actually think Marion Zimmer Bradley does an amazing job of taking us through that journey of understanding that system, because coming into it, most of the people we're dealing with are kids. So they don't understand it completely yet either. Um, yeah. I, I really, yeah, I, I love this female Ford, female positive view of the grail quest in these books. Number three, which I think some people are going to be like, how is this not your number <laughs> one? How? how uh the harry potter series yay i'm
0: i'm Obviously. reading it now actually i'm on i'm on deathly hollows
1: <laughs> by reading yes. you mean rereading because i've read the entire series with you before. yes no i'm listening <laughs> to the audiobook okay, right now good.
0: so the lovely oh. voice of jim
1: dale i
2: was
0: gonna say yeah. which one yeah. the jim
1: dale <laughs> one this time
2: oh man i love the harry potter series
1: talking about the harry potter series jk just announced that there's gonna be that the the dates for the play that's coming out harry potter and the cursed boy i've heard that but it is not
2: a prequel she has made that very clear on wait it is
1: it's no longer a prequel i thought it was gonna be really it's
2: It's never been intended to be a prequel. It's about his parents, but it's not intended as a prequel.
1: Oh, my gosh. Interesting. And the music is by Imogen Heap, who is like maybe, which is perfect. If you think about how the sound of the movies are like, do, do, do. It's so her style. And I love her. Um, Who's going to London with me, I guess, is really my question. Because I'm going to London to see this. That's going (laughs) to happen.
2: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I, I would die to go see it. Let,
1: let's take an ER trip, guys. I'm 100% that, serious.
2: For our seventh anniversary. <laughs> Just hop over. Yeah, that would Poland. be a Why at
1: number not? <laughs> Oh, my it's, God. Number see? seven. Seven bucks. Oh, that is exactly. kind of cool. Seven years of Hogwarts at Huffield. <laughs> thank you. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Number two. Uh. The Xanth series by Piers Anthony, which starts with a book called *A Spell for Chameleon*. Uh, Susan, I think you introduced I think, me to these books. I or? think so,
0: or no? Mm, I think I read them maybe before, Christina yeah. introduced them to you because I know she was also a fan. Or
1: is it the other way and i introduced okay. christina yeah, okay. the other way around i think i read them i read them yeah. so long ago but i remember seeing them in college on your bookshelf. Like, <laughs> xanth. yes yes, yes no
0: and <laughs> honestly i think xanth is one of the perfect summer reads because it's just light and fun you know it's um mm-hmm. i mean yeah Pen and heavy. like miss of avalon and sandman so is wonderful puns. but they are denser Um, you know, they do like help Mm -hmm. you think and think about all, you know, morals and things like that. But like Xanth Xanth is just fun. And like you said, pun, it is punny.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's some good moral like things you get out of each novel. But like, yeah, Mm -hmm. in a fun, epic adventure, almost like Mm -hmm. D&D sort of a way where you're just like, yes, let's go slay the dragon. And then you find out the dragon's really like... An orange cream puff or something. But, like, it's hysterical nope. and
0: fun. And- I love it. Love it so much. <laughs> None of those things. Suck. So, there
1: Confession are no Time, dragons who are- oh, I've no. never
2: read <gasps> Sand. And it's been- Oh, yeah. my. And a spell for chameleon has been sitting on my shelf for literally years. So, Didn't
1: I buy you <laughs>
2: that book? Uh, no, actually, I bought it at the uh, local bookstore. Support your local businesses, people. Um, I bought it at the used bookstore down the street.
0: Okay, well, oh, read yeah. it. And I
2: saw it there, and I was like, hey, a lot of people have been talking about this book. I should read it. And I picked it up, and I forgot to read it. Um, so Oh, it's so I, fun.
0: You can read this book in a day. But now you guys
2: are making me really excited. <laughs> this,
1: You're making me really yeah, excited. I, mean, I should do that. You should. It's really, yeah, it, there is, I think, and this is the only caveat I'm going to say about Xanth, is there is a certain age limit where i think some people may not enjoy it as much as if you had read it when you were younger true but if you go into it knowing that it's just just a really fun light punny humorous fantasy read i think i think you're gonna enjoy it think of it like a precursor to um guide to the galaxy you know it's it's really sort of in that realm but even lighter to a certain extent or the fantasy version. One or the other. <laughs> well, That's really.
2: Good. I'm really excited to read it now. So I will put that on my summer yes. reading list.
1: Worth it. <laughs> Jeanette, do you want to announce the number one? Oh, Yay. yes, I do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> number one is one of my favorite series of all time. The Chronicles of Narnia. Yay! Of course. And this is another one which, you know, you get something out of it. I feel you get something different out of it when you read it as a child than you do as an adult, but I don't think that changes the enjoyment factor. At least it hasn't for me.
1: I I I love the Chronicles of Narnia. I do think the later books are problematic, um, but I I enjoy the world so much. And you'll notice we didn't put Tolkien in here. Sorry. N- Sorry, Lord of the Ring fans, and specifically sorry to Megan. <laughs> that's what I, was <laughs> <laughs> I know she's gonna be so upset. Um, one of our original ER members, um, but at least a lot of what I love about Tolkien is also here in the Narnia books, just in a way that's more palatable, I think, to the general audience. Like I can, I have read Lord of the Rings twice. I so will probably never read it again. Not that it's not brilliant and great and wonderful. It's just it's hard to a lot. read
2: over and over yeah, that's yes. the thing
1: is I I think it's well written.
2: I think it's a great world. I love the world. I just can't go back to it over and over again the same way I can with Narnia. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, right. I think that's what why we chose these top five twos. These are all things we would yes. reread. yeah, these are all books we would go back to reread, enjoy for its own. You know, complicated world where, you know, some of the others, We and we have a nice honorable mention list. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: too. There's a lot of the honorable
1: the, the mention the
0: list, titles <laughs> long honorable mention list.
2: <laughs> I yeah, know, we, I know. Just t- check out our Goodreads pages. You'll see our uh, <laughs> honorable mentions list. Um, but I will say this about Narnia if, you know, you're going back, you're revisiting it, I would suggest trying the audiobooks because they are read by um, some very famous actors, like we did uh, The Magician's Nephew last year for um, The Eclectic Readers. And the audio book for that one is read by... Oh, what's his name? Um, Kenneth Branagh. And, I mean, listening to him do 500 different animals' voices is the best thing ever.
1: Yeah, you told me...
2: It just really you know, is. that
1: sounds amazing. It <laughs> is amazing! <laughs> oh I love Kenneth. Mm-hmm. He's crazy. He can do amazing things with his voice. I, I may have to. And Michael York
2: does the second one. I can't remember who does the third one. Uh, I haven't picked that one up Doesn't yet. Doesn't Patrick Library, Stewart but, do a book? Uh, Patrick Stewart does one. Yeah. I mean, there's just some really incredible actors that I can't wait to hear read these parts. But Kenneth Branagh doing all the voices. Um... Michael York doing all the voices. I, you should hear them do the White Witch's voice. It's, you can just see her. It's incredible. Yes, I am planning so, on doing that. <laughs> I, would visiting, I would suggest visiting audiobooks.
0: I, I plan on doing that once you told me Kenneth Branagh was uh, narrating. I was like, oh my god, I, I have to pick this up. And then I saw Patrick Stewart. And then I saw the other actors. I'm like, now I have to listen to the whole thing.
1: Oh, which one did
2: Patrick Stewart do? I can't remember. I I looked them all up because I was just so excited when I saw Kenneth Brown. I was like, did he do all of them? And then I looked up another one and I was like, no, that's Michael York. And then I looked up another one. I was like, that's Patrick Stewart. So I don't remember, but (laughs) it's not one of the first two. So, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I think that brings us to our main read, guys. You ready? Yes.
1: As Susan, hold on, hold on. I'm (laughs) feeling myself. Okay, go. (laughs) Okay.
2: So our main read this time was Kushiel's Dart, which, if you haven't read, is a 901-page. I don't know. It's it's an epic. It really does fall under epic fantasy, Um, and I'm going to give a quick summary. I know I'm leaving stuff out, guys. But it's a nine hundred one page book I had to <laughs> summarize somehow. So, mm-hmm. bear with me. All right. So we're in an alternate version of France called Terre d'Ange, and Phaedra is the daughter of a courtesan who gives her up for adoption due to her unlucky name and the red mark in her eye, which is also known as Kushiel's Dart. Phaedra trains to be a courtesan until she comes under the tutelage of Delani, who then has her trained to be a courtesan and a spy. When tragedy befalls her mentor, Phaedra embarks on this journey to continue his mission to protect the throne, as well as protect her homeland from the plots schemed up by the manipulative and yet irresistibly magnetic Melisande. She is accompanied on this journey, which includes kidnapping, subterfuge, and many, many sexual encounters. I mean, she is a courtesan, guys. But her loyal and chaste bodyguard Jocelyn, and she is assisted by her childhood friend Hyacinth. So, what is one thing out of all these many, many adventures that stood out to you guys in this
1: book? That the main protagonists, the main antagonists are two extremely powerful women, and that they're extremely amazing whole characters. They're really very... I I love both of them. In their, and love to hate Melisande, obviously, but love, love Fedra and uh, the way that her strength is really shown in these books.
2: What about you, Susan? Um,
0: yeah, I was also thinking the strong female characters, but also the, the vastness of her world. Um, while I was reading, even at the beginning, you could just see that the author put so much thought and so much um, detail into the world of Terdange and everything, everything around it—it's kind of overwhelmed, you know. It's like I'm, I'm getting lost just trying to figure out where I am. <laughs> so that was that was one thing that stood out to me, because you can tell that she put a lot of time into creating this world.
2: Hmm. I mean, it is such a rich book. I mean. The world is so well built. There's so much detail. The characters really stood out to me. I mean, I think we have mentioned that this book kind of gets a slow start. um, Because she has to do so much word world building. And she's got all these many, many different characters and political intrigues that she's got to set up. And... She does it, and it's kind of hard to get through at first. But the one thing that I never found difficult was her characterization. I really wanted to read more about the characters, and that was part of what made me so frustrated with all that buildup, because I was like, I want want more of Phaedra. I want more Delani."
1: Yeah, the first 300 pages were terrible for me to get through. I mean, it was just... I mean, if you look back at my uh, Goodreads sort of tracking on this book, it's, I don't know if I can do this. Do I just hate epic fantasies now? Like, is this a me thing? Like, I, get, I kept being like, why can I not get through these 300 pages? And then as soon as... The twist comes with Delaney's death. I was like, never mind, I'm in, let's go. This whole thing is just, I mean, I've read the entire series now. No, I'm going to do my best to keep (laughs) this spoiler free. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I haven't started yet. I will will not, I will do my absolute (laughs) best to not spoil anything. It's been a while since I finished the entire series, so if I accidentally mess up, I'm so sorry, but I will do my absolute best. Um, it's so good. And the series itself is really good. Um, it really does leave you, the whole thing leaves you in a very, like, good place. Um, but the, I, I actually want to take back my character statement. I mean, I love the characters, but y'all are touching on it. The religion. I think how well she she really understands and she doesn't give it to us all in the first book. And I'll, I'll give you that. But like the religion around Teradage and sort of how this world has deviated from our world, I find infinitely interesting. So I really, really love that about the book.
2: There is okay. a lot to love about this book. But since we all said that we really love the characters, and especially our protagonists and antagonists, let's talk about that relationship between Phaedra and Melisande. Because it's love, but it's hate, and they're just two sides of the same coin. And we had a lot of discussion uh, the other day about whether or not this was realistic, and, you know, how could this possibly work? So what did you guys think about that relationship?
1: (laughs) Oh my god, it's so epic. It's so epic, it's everything, right? It's love, it's lust, it's destiny, it's complicated by their own personal leanings, it's complicated by their own personal loyalties, but yet they can't see, no matter how much they know, both of them, how much they know, they should just... Stop wanting each other. Stop loving each other to a certain extent. Um, they can't. They can't. Melisande should have killed Fedra. <laughs> should just. It. She's trying to get the throne. That's our you know, protagonist. A, you're murdering. Yeah. Yeah. This is our complicated. Absolutely. But this is a complicated <laughs> plot. Absolutely. Melisande's intelligent. She knows. She even says it. She. Uh, uh, well. You know, She knows this. She should kill her. You know, and to leave her Jocelyn, that's just, that is definitely like, I, uh, you know, I want to make sure that this girl doesn't absolutely get murdered by these people. I want to do what I can. She doesn't think they're going to make it back. But she leaves herself that door because she just can't let Fedra go. And Fedra at the same time, you know, she sees them at, that, at the uh, camp. Fedra sees Melisande at the camp, and she's about to I don't know, yell her name, completely lose it, even though she knows they're on this, like, serious mission by the throne to make it to Alba. And she's about to give it all away just because she sees her in the distance. I mean, it's so complicated and it has so much to do with whom, whom Fedra is, not by choice, no, whom Fedra is by birth being Kushiel's chosen and whom Melisande is by being Kushiel's sc- scion, how naturally and easily they connect. And it, it, it's interesting, you know, what could have been had she not been picked up by Delany? What would, what would be legitimately different in their lives? But it's, you know, it's definitely not the love they choose, but it's still this extremely grand epic love, which I think is interesting.
2: So do you think they would not have been so drawn together had they not both been of Kushiel's line? Kushiel for our listeners being an angel that, uh, an mm-hmm. angel god? Yeah, that um, they worship in this world.
0: So. Um, I, I think that's one of the underlying themes that go through the book. Is destiny like this? Is who we are, and because we are of the similar line, we are f- of course drawn to each other. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, she does. She, she, she definitely does. She, and she Melisandre completely it, takes advantage of it. You know. Um, downfall, yes, no, but she does downfall, take advantage though. of it, um, and and because Melisandre is so much more aware, she has more experience than. Fedra that you know Melisande was able to manipulate Fedra in that way because it's like oh there's this thing that we both know we can't get away from because mm-hmm. there's this magnetic pull you know
1: yeah I mean absolutely if they both if like Melisande wasn't Kushil Sion Fedra wouldn't react to her as much if, Cush, if Fedra wasn't didn't have the dart Melisande wouldn't want her so much So, yeah, it's absolutely, you know, this idea of, you know, to them, gods are very real. To us now, God is real to some people, not as real to other people. You know, there's no active, there's, you know, there's no burning bush, right? But for them, Eloah and Eloah's companions are are very tactile, almost. They are descendants of these people. They can trace their lineage. Um, And that's a huge difference to them on how they view destiny and how they relate to the divine.
2: I think, I mean, I see the relationship between Fedra and Melisande. It's, I mean, there's definitely destiny there and there's an underlying, you know, we were kind of meant to come up against each other in some way, whether it's, you know, as opposition or as lovers. But there's also a certain amount of obsession there. And that's what I found real about it is, because who hasn't been in, Mm -hmm. like, a bad relationship of some kind where you, like, can't stop thinking about that?
1: Yeah. And it's for both of them. That's the funny thing. Yeah. Like, they definitely know they shouldn't be doing this. Like, like, t- like. After it all goes, once it all starts going down, they know this is, this is a bad call. I should not be indulging this. Oh yeah. I mean, Melisande says, can. you know, I
2: should kill you, but I just can't kill something like you. And Phaedra's like, I yeah. should stay away from you, but you know what? You asked to see me, so I'm just gonna go.
1: Yeah that that last moment they have in the keep, is really, so powerful. And what, you know, this is, and this is what makes this book so, like, what other book can you think where this conversation would be having about two female characters? And, like, Melisande's not an awful, her, her idea of what's, you know, what ruling's going to be is not awful. She asked Vedra, would I be so terrible? You know, would I be a bad ruler? Would, would my rule have been any worse? And she's like, no. You know, it's not like Melisande's a typical supervillain, you know, where she legitimately wants to enslave people or hates things. She just thinks my way's better. Eh. <laughs> yeah, I can do it better. Yeah, but, you know, I just,
2: I would not put the greater good of a kingdom in Melisande's hands. Let's just put it that way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I can get behind that. I, <laughs> yeah.
2: But um, we are talking a lot about like Phaedra being Kushiel's dart and destiny versus choice and everything. Um, so do you think that the that which one came out on top to you guys? destiny or choice? Do you think that the characters were who they were because they were destined, because they were lined up to be these characters? Or do you think they made choices along the way?
1: Oh, choices. I mean, I I talk a lot about, or I've talked a lot about Melisande and Fedra being destined in a certain way, but ultimately, she chooses to be a spy. She chooses to be a hero. You know, she was destined to be a courtesan. She... No one told her she had to go off and save the the world, you know. She chooses to be a hero. She chooses to have this friendship with Hyacinth. She chooses to fall in love with Jocelyn. You know, these are all choices that she makes that are beyond her nature. I mean, her love for Jocelyn alone is is so anti her nature. Um. So no, I I think ultimately this book. Yes, there's destiny. Yes, there's things you can't control. But ultimately, you choose.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with Tara, Um That it's more choice than destiny. Because there are things like with what happened with Hyacinth that was destined. Yeah, but he oh. did ultimately make that choice <laughs> when Hyacinth. he helped Fedra, you know? So it was prophesized, but it didn't really have to go into fruition. You know, Hyacinth could most definitely not help Fedra, and he would have been happy with his clan.
1: Yeah, I mean, several times Hyacinth could have stayed at Knight's doorstep. Hyacinth could have stayed. With right. um his clan um Hyacinth could have uh, Hyacinth didn't have mm-hmm. to take Fedra's place, you know uh, just like Jocelyn Jocelyn didn't have to keep his vow. Jocelyn didn't have to break his vow either several times to get her out of there. Um, everybody makes these choices, and I think that I actually think given how powerful and how much. This book is around destiny and uh, the destiny of Kushiel's dart and how much that theme resonates. Choice is more important. And I think that's a really great message that she, you know, brings out that, you know, yes, the, this is the hand you were dealt. Yes, these are the cards you can play, but you choose when to play them and which ones to play. And I think that's really, really important. So destiny
2: places you where you are, but you choose what to do when you get there?
1: Yeah. And it ch- and you ch- and you choose if you can go beyond the destiny. Being a spy isn't naturally a part of Fetra's destiny. She chose to ke- keep with it though. I mean, let's look at Oh shoot. Oh no. Um Fedra's brother's oh, name Alcuin. is Yeah. Alquin. Oh, okay. I mean, look at Alquin. Alcuin absolutely chose everything he did just for the love of one person. Look what Delani's doing. Delani's destiny was to stay up in the mountains as a lord, you know. But love made him choose differently, you know. And I, and I think that's another thing. I think these people are very drawn by Eloah's preaching of love as you wilt. And they make choices based on based on that for good and for ill. yeah, I can see
2: that I see that that's a good point. I um, mean a lot of their choices I mean some of their choices drove me nuts, but a lot of their choices are to put themselves in harm's way for love of each other or love. Of their homeland, mm-hmm. so yeah, no, I definitely see that they make a lot of choices, and those choices are based on love. Um, do you think that Phaedra makes these choices because this is who she is, or do you think she's influenced by the mark, the Kushiel's Dart?
1: Um, I think she makes different choices because of who she is than normal people would. Um, Kushiel is, um, his job in heaven before he went to follow Eloah was as the keeper of God's justice. So in a certain way, Kushiel, Kushiel's chosen and the Kushiel scions really feel the need to bring justice. And you could say that Fedra is partially driven by that. She doesn't have to be, but you know, Kushiel guides her to his purpose in that way. So, uh, so I think that's a mixed bag. Yeah. I had a really
2: hard time like thinking about that one because Fedra being who she is. I mean, I think a lot of her would be drawn to this anyway. She, She would be drawn to protect her homeland. She would be drawn to try and protect the people that she loves. But I think without the Kushiel's dart, she might not have had that opportunity. Um, And I think it really does kind of influence where her journey begins and where it goes. Because that mark is so rare, I don't think Delani would have necessarily taken notice of just another courtesan to even, you know, mentor her the way that he did.
1: I mean, sure, he says at the very beginning of the book when he goes to see her, before he really, really sees her, you know, I'm only I'm only tutoring one at a time. Right. Now he expected Alquin to be his in and then he sees Vedra and he's like, Never mind. I've got this Yeah. So, no, absolutely. Her mark opens doors. Or really, though, had it never been figured out what that mark was, it would have closed a bunch of doors. She would have been unfit to serve Nama based on a red mode in her eye. Because she was unlucky. Because she was unlucky because it's not the extreme version of beauty that the courtesans and Nama are supposed to have. You know, but once they figured out what it was, they're like, oh... Oh, this is special. (laughs) That's special, and I should have charged way more for her. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was really funny. Oh, I know. He was like, how much? Sure. (laughs) Write it up. And she was like, grrr. Damn
2: it, I should have asked for more. When people don't question, you know you've asked for too low a price. You've asked
1: for too little, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Always bid up, people. Um, (laughs) That's a real lesson in these books. Always bid up you know,
2: life advice and book talk, that's what we're about (laughs) alright, let's go back to um, relationships, because we talked about Phaedra's choice um, and she has two very different relationships Uh, she has a relationship with Jocelyn and she has a relationship with Hyacinth, and spoiler (laughs) alert they both love her, obviously and she has to make a choice between them what did you think about these two relationships? <laughs> did, she make the, did she make the right choice? Uh, clearly, <laughs> Tara says no. Um,
1: well, sh- she doesn't make a choice. Hyacinth makes the choice. Her choice would have been to be on the island and forsake both of them. Yeah, you don't really know. Yeah, I was going to say. Who she would have chosen in the end. Hyacinth didn't if go to the, the island, but she vehicle. really have
2: chosen him? I don't. Yeah. I feel like she would have chosen Jocelyn either way.
1: (laughs) I I, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm A, obviously, Team Hyacinth, forever. Um, They both sacrifice a lot for her. They both love her. Um, It's very Peter Gale. It really is. Um, It's, you know, Jocelyn's just too perfect. And also... And also, I just, she chooses to love him, right? She does. And I love that. I love the message. I've already talked about that. But I don't think he's the right fit. I mean, he's so beautiful. They're always talking about how pretty he is and how, like, honorable he is. But at the same time, you know, he's not, he can't give her, he can't give her everything she needs. And and what she needs scares him. And Hyacinth, it wouldn't have been that way. I love Hyacinth. I I, I, I love there could have been. I
2: but yeah. Hyacinth doesn't get who she is yep. either. I mean, she no, clearly he, says it in the book. She says Hyacinth doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand what I do, what I need. He wants but, to understand, but, he's but he but he not Scared doesn't.
1: of it. But that's because he hasn't been around it like Jocelyn has. Just not having been around it isn't the same thing as. Like, Jocelyn's opposed to what she is. By the end of this book, he's still opposed to what she is at the core of her being. He doesn't get it. He doesn't like it. It disgusts him. Hyacinth, it doesn't disgust him. But he He hasn't been around it. But he, he's not stupid either. He's from Knight's Doorstep. He's not some guarded, castling he's lordling. He's not stupid, but I
0: don't know if he would have been able to give what she would have wanted.
1: I don't know if he, she, he would have been able to give it, but like he said, they were supposed to be the Prince of Travelers and the Queen of Courtesans together. I don't think he wanted to take it away. You know, if she needs to go out there and do her thing, she goes out there and does her thing as long as she comes home to him. I don't think I don't think it would have been a black and white situation for them. No, I always saw
0: him as the the best friend. (laughs) It's like he makes a really good lifelong best friend.
1: (laughs) Team (laughs) Hyacinth, Team Gail. (laughs) The the blonde warrior people can go in a corner and and talk about how hard their lot in lives were. <laughs> P- P- yeah, I don't know. I just Jocelyn feel like
0: as different as their opinions are and how they view the world, and it may be because they've been through so much together. But I really do like Fedra and, and Jocelyn together.
1: And you don't think it's going to be hard for her... know it would. To have, ...to have him... Like, she chooses him, she loves him, these are all facts, but he hates what she... Like, literally hates it. No. I think that would be very difficult to
2: live with. I think he hates what she does, not who she
1: is. But what she does is who she is. That is the thing about being Kushiel's dart. Who... What she does is who she is, to a certain extent. To a
2: certain extent, but not completely. I mean, there are many sides of Phaedra, and what I think I do like about the relationship between Jocelyn and Phaedra is that they see each other completely. Mm -hmm. And I think Hyacinth always sees everything as, this is what we should be one day. One day we will be the Prince of Travelers and the Queen of Courtesans. And he sees everything as moving towards this ideal. But I think Jocelyn actually sees Phaedra. He sees her entirely. He sees what she's done. He sees what she can do. He sees things he doesn't like, and he loves her anyway. And he, get, he has a full picture of her. And I think if you're going to choose somebody to love, you've got to make sure that you see all of that. You can't just see the parts that are convenient to you or that fit your picture.
1: I don't, I mean, I, this is an agree to disagree moment. I just don't agree (laughs) with that. I I don't agree that Jocelyn has a better picture than Hyacinth, just because you, I don't think you should be um, criticized for having dreams, for seeing a future with someone. Oh, I don't think it's something to criticize.
2: I just think that that's kind of Hyacinth's view, given the incomplete picture, because he's never seen Fedra as her professional courtesan slash spy self.
1: He does, though. On their trip, she gives herself to various lords for passages. He does see her. I don't... And what she does in Alba and before in Tirdosh. I don't think he really
0: saw, though. Jocelyn was there for, like, the serious stuff. You know? Um,
1: right, but being being stuck with a hot poker isn't what she is. That, that <laughs> well, that, that no, that just but happened. it's still
0: horrifying, and like that was part of a job. Like, how would Hyacinth feel about that, even though it was something that she was contracted to do?
1: I mean, like Dulani, not great. I have a deal with it. I um, think <laughs> maybe we should move on from the topic. <laughs> But but yeah, no, I hear you. I just don't agree with you. <laughs> <And>
2: that's fine.
1: <laughs> um.
2: So I told somebody that we were going to discuss this book, and they're like, "So you're going to spend a lot of time discussing sex and different kinds of sex?" And uh, we only just hit it with a uh, hot poker. So good for us, guys.
1: <laughs> I mean, listen. It is there a lot of sex in this book? Absolutely. Is it extremely graphic? No, nope. no. I've read way more graphic sex scenes than this. There was more. There was a more graphic sex scene in the Miniaturist, for God's sake.
0: <laughs> That's um, so true. <laughs> I about
1: that, yeah. Um, it was you know, more graphic. <laughs> yeah, way more graphic. Um, do, do what? Some of the things that happen in her sex scenes, like some of the pain, is that somewhat unique? Sure. Have I read more? Interesting or more graphic versions of even that, yes. So, yes, the first three hundred pages are nonstop. I mean, she's a courtesan, but usually it's like, oh, this happened and then this happened and then I was tied up and then we copulated and I fell asleep. Like <laughs> just, um, but I think the sex is actually the least interesting part of this book. I think the political in- intri- intrigue and the survival of these characters and the world building which is what makes this an epic fantasy series it is is much more interesting than the sex she's having, having uh, happening <laughs> Um, oh, my, 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 is than the sex <laughs> she is having um and i mean and i think that's the most amazing part of this book because easily that could be all we talked about but but that's how good this book is Aside from the fact that we
2: just got a really interesting peek into what you're reading when you're not reading for the eclectic readers, Tara. Oh, it's not all the time. Uh Let's look at Miss of Avalon,
1: for instance. Miss of Avalon has some raunchy sex scenes. Yeah,
2: but I was actually going to agree with you um, after I (laughs) teased you. Um, (laughs) No, I do. I think that. Um, when you see a book that like this one that has like erotic and sensual and stuff like that on the cover you're like oh so this is a book about sex with some plot thrown in but that's not what this is like there's nope. clearly a lot of like politics and there's so much i mean there literally the character list is 6 pages long i counted so wow.
1: um
2: with 6 pages worth of characters there's so much to set up before the final battle. And it's just so... I keep saying it, but it's such a rich world. There's so much happening. It's. I mean, I just yeah. think it's so well done. And, and those
1: first 300 pages, even though it's like basically nothing but sex. It's, it's sex, really and build up, it, sex and build-up, sex and build-up. Yeah, but it's... Yeah, it's sex and build-up. But it's... <laughs> as sex often is. Um, but it's... <laughs> Yeah, it, it really does. As she's having sex, you learn about the political web that she's going to be thrown well, into. That shows how much of a spy is she done. is.
0: Like, this is how she gets her information. So yeah. it was relevant. You know, it wasn't like, oh, and then I did this job, and then I did this job. It's like, I did this job because I got this specific piece of information that Delaney needed.
2: hmm. So.
1: Because she's a badass. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: and she's a, either a really good courtesan or a really good spy. I was going to say both. <laughs> not, not mutually exclusive. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't mean to imply that they were mutually exclusive, because clearly they're not. Yep. Um, I know, Tara, that you talked a lot about how fascinated you were with the alternate history and the alternate religion. Oh, Do you yeah. want to tell us a little bit about how fascinated you were?
1: <laughs> say, uh, it's so hard because... Um... In the later books, y- you get a better idea of what is, of exactly what's happening. There's so much plot and political buildup that she couldn't spend, I think, as much time as she probably wanted to, on just the religious aspect. But I just think it's so interesting to see, like, this is what happens to, this is like the Jewish people. Like, there are no Christians, really. I thought the Yeshuites. Yeah, were that's what to be I thought Christians. too. No, it's the Yeshuites are Jews who believe the Messiah came. Oh. So they're not Christians. There's no, like, Roman church never happens, right?
2: Oh, no, I didn't think it um, was Roman church, but I so, thought they so were it meant to be, like, the alternate version of the Christians. Right.
1: So it, it, in the in the timeline, the Yeshuaites are Jews who believe that Yeshua, who is this version of Jesus, Yeshua is the Messiah. So all the Jews do follow Yeshua and still believe in the one true God. Um, and they, they say one true God, like they, they don't, it's not as, uh, it's somewhat, it it deviates from what Christianity looks like. It still looks like more of a Jewish true religion in a way. Um, and then there's Eloah is birthed and that's more like, in a way Eloah is more like Jesus because it is the new religion. Um, and the, instead of evolving from an old religion, um, and Eloah happens and all of the angels come down and they are his companions and they do all these crazy things. And then there's all of the pagans. And just like, what I love about it is how everybody accepts that gods are real and all the gods are real. It's just some gods are older. Some gods are more powerful. Some gods are more powerful in certain places. Um, I just think it's a really interesting alternate history that I really can't get too much into without <laughs> spoiling things. So it's really good though. <laughs> um Yeah, it's just a really interesting world. I mean, were you guys as as uh as interested in it as I was? Um,
2: I definitely was. I thought it was really, really cool. Like when they started talking about like, you know, Terror Dungeon and All these names, like they were clearly French names. And I was like, is this supposed to be France? And I had to like flip back and forth to the map a few times during the like early pages before I was like, yeah, I really think this is supposed to be France. I mean, it looks exactly (laughs) like France. The names are all French. And they're talking about, you know, Yeshua and Magdalene and these people that, you know, it sounds right. Yeah, these sounds people that are <laughs> very, very much from our history and our, like, belief of the world, but, uh, you know, I was like, they're using these really, really strange names, but this has got to be alternate friends, right?
1: Yeah, I'm really ashamed to say I did not realize that Alba was England. And I should have, being like an Athurian legend, like, lover that should have been obvious to me and i, I did not realize it until i looked it up and i feel really really bad about that
2: well i mean yeah that one <laughs> that one kind of the i was confused about that for a minute but the the pics they kept talking about the yeah. pics and that kind of tipped me off on that one um I'm sorry, I think I cut you off, Susan.
0: Go ahead. Oh, no, I was agreeing. I mean, it's a lot more subtler, And sometimes if you're in an alternate fantasy, like epic fantasy, you don't really think about how it pertains to our world. So right. sometimes it's just hard to make that connection because you're not thinking, oh, these are these parallels that I should right. be making the comparison with.
1: So. I, I, is it bad that I was like, oh, of course the French are the angel people. Yeah. <laughs>
2: The pretty, what, pretty yeah. people, of course. In this, sorry, I was gonna say the only people who can appreciate love
1: right. and sex and beauty in its full complexity. Yeah. It it kind of makes sense, though. Night's doorstep is Moulin Rouge, yeah, exactly. And you've got all the things, <laughs> and yeah, the city of Eloa, and it's it's obviously Paris, and yeah, there is all these obvious comparisons. You do go to Italy in the next book. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Now I'm light. even
2: more intrigued.
1: Spoiler alert: You go to Italy, which is cool. They're a cool area. Uh, um, I'm really excited yeah. for that now. the The next book is good. The third book is amazing. Okay, just good. Throwing that. All right, all right. I'm good. I'm stopping. <laughs> okay, I
2: I only have one question about the next two books, and it is very. Easily answered, spoiler free. All right, is it as hard to get through the beginning of those books as it is this book?
1: Not even remotely. Woo-hoo! You jump, yeah, you jump like, right into it. She okay. does it. She doesn't waste any of that time. Um, the hardest intro is probably of the second book, and it's like an eighth as bad. And it's just because the characters are a little stressed. But I mean, oh, you know, you know, uh, Melisande sends the cloak. Right. Um, and she has to make a decision. And Well, she uh, made that decision. Oh, she does good. All right. I can't remember where it ends. Uh, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, it, Joc- ends, it ends with
2: her being like, I got to do this. Yeah. And yeah. Joc- Jocelyn being like, oh, crap. Okay. Yeah, nice. let's spoiler, do yeah, now I have Jocelyn to go with you. does not like it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like, they're Interpersonal and dynamic in the beginning of the book is a little bit like, oh, just get over it. Um, but uh, but it's really much easier. It jumps right into the action.
2: All right, good. Well, That's good to hear. That makes me
1: that makes me feel better. I'm glad I could do that for you. I'm glad okay. I could be that person.
2: <laughs> You're always that person.
1: Come Aww.
2: on. A <laughs> lot of love here. We're loving as we were. <laughs> Um, so, did you guys like the book? Well, I read all three, <laughs> so I think yes. <laughs> uh, I liked it.
0: I wouldn't say I loved it, but I did like it.
2: Would you read the other two in the series? I would. Did you like it enough?
0: I would, because it really picked up at the end, um, and now, like, I really need to know if, you know, she catches Melisande and see what happens.
2: She better catch Melisande. Oh, no, I hope so. Look, I mean, I, I just think... Wow. I love <laughs> Melisande. I think she's an incredible... Like, she is the Maleficent of...
1: I know, it's of, so good! like, villains.
2: She's just... She's scary, but attractive, and you just want to, like, stare at her, but you the also disc- want to put her in a cage.
1: Um, <laughs> the description of her eyes. Ugh. That that blue mm-hmm. of like tw- of like darkening twilight. I'm like, Jesus guys. Sapphires at night. Sapphires. I'm like, stop. It's uh, so
2: gorgeous. And you know I love me a sapphire. Mm. But <laughs> like at the same time I'm like, but I bet there are so many other cool villains in this world and
1: mm-hmm. there are so many other amazing places to go. Well, we didn't even talk about the main male villain. Oh let's the, talk uh, about uh, yes. That. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, we, we haven't spent any time talking actually about the Scaldi invasion. Yeah. We have not, not <laughs> Which is
2: no more. a really, really and huge <laughs> part of the book. I told you I was going to leave stuff out.
0: That's okay, we can continue uh, the discussion. Val-
1: Valder, uh, oh gosh, how do you say his name? Um, Voldemort Selig. Yes. Voldemort Selig, and how, like, he tries to unify what's essentially Germany mm-hmm. and all the Germanic tribes and you know, he's this intelligent barbarian. And her betrayal of him and how that all goes down, and I thought that was...
0: Oh, man. (sighs) Yes, I think that was my favorite part in the book.
2: I mean... I don't know if it was my favorite, but I really liked the relationship between Phaedra and uh, Valdemar Selig because he definitely... Like, he was aware that, you know... She was a threat, but I don't think he realized how much of a threat until she was like gone, gone out the door. <laughs> yep. And I think that was kind of, I don't know. I think that was just such a great demonstration of why she's such a great spy. Yep. Oh, yeah. Because she's there. Yep. In the bad guy's bedroom daily, collecting information, plotting her escape, and he's like. So you're going to teach me how to have sex well, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. You see this little girl who is a courtesan who's known for the pleasure arts and you, you're this giant barbarian and you're like, eh, yeah. Okay. So by the person I'm working with says she's the threat, but whatever, I've got this. How's she going to do anything? And that's, You know, actually, the scene where she gets onto those rafters and pulls herself into the room and listens to their council meeting and then comes back with Jocelyn. That is one of the strongest scenes for me, like how that's written and how she gets up there and, you know, her bravery really in that scene. Uh, For some reason, that's extremely tactile and scene for me in my memory. I just really loved it. I, I loved well, I think it too. It says a lot about
2: her uh, way of survival versus Jocelyn. I mean, she's like, Jocelyn's like, okay, we're going to sit here and make a plan of escape and try and figure out how we're going to battle our way out of here. And Can I she's, stick a
1: dagger in it? Excellent. Right.
2: <laughs> and she's like, will you st- shut up with your plans and help me move these barrels? Because I got to get up there.
1: <laughs> no absolutely true she's like all right tumbling practice let's go time to, <laughs> time to prove what i still know
2: oh man I-, I will say this about the writing that sometimes it did make me laugh because if there was one more reference to her old tumbling master i was oh gonna, my like, god out of my seat. No,
1: there's a lot especially this stops in later books by the way but in the first book especially there's so much like repetition <laughs> In language. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the um, the phrase had I thought to think this, I would have thought wrong because blank happened. And I'm like if you think one more thing that is wrong or thought you might have thought one more thing that is wrong, I'm going to punch this book in the face. <laughs> like uh. you, need to, you need to stop saying that to explain yeah. what's going on. Yeah. I uh, but,
0: the, I think, but that ends. I think that's one <laughs> of the reasons why I just kind of liked it because there's a lot of that repetition and a lot of that mm-hmm. language you mentioned. But this is a this so, is a first novel. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. and uh, so I think it's, that's why you know it's just hard for me to get through a little more.
1: Yeah. yeah. Every time I got really annoyed by that, I had to remember this is this person's debut novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Freaking impressive. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and that's kind of what got me through, especially the beginning when she describes her eye. I'm sorry, I'm never going to read that and not s- snicker at least a little bit. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. My eyes, they were brown. Save the left yeah. one. I was like, okay, yeah, okay, we get it. You got a red speck in your no. eye. Um, anyway, but as much as we love it, guys, we got to move on to another book next month. Yes. Ooh. Yes. So next time on Eclectic Readers, we will be talking about The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. That's a big book right now. A lot of people I know have been reading it, and it's supposed to be um a thriller much of the way
1: of gone girl so i'm looking forward to this one that'll be exciting we're not normally this on trend too no No, we're not (laughs) gonna actually be reading something but while everyone is talking about it not before people are talking about it yeah (laughs) it
2: only happens like once or twice a year Mm
0: -hmm. so yeah it got released early this year so it's still Mm -hmm. pretty new
2: yeah so yeah and um One of our friends actually was just telling me about this a couple months ago and being like, you have to read this. You're going to love this. So um, our friend Natalie was saying that. Oh,
0: nice. It's
2: good to get that recommendation. That's Reddit? Yeah. So um, definitely uh, looking forward to it.
0: Great. That's great. Um, So you can, if you want to find out more about the books we talked about, um, or Cushil's Dart, or the book we're going to read. Just go to our show notes. We'll have links pretty much to Amazon. So you can, you know, buy it, read it, <laughs> um, Kindle it. Yeah, Kindle it, ebook read it, and stick it on your Goodreads to read list. Um, and that can be found on sunriserbot.net slash slash five. And then where can we find you guys?
2: Well, you can look for me on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash J.M.T. Rivera, or just look for me off of our Goodreads page, the Eclectic Readers page.
0: How about you, Tara? Where can we find you?
1: Best way to reach me is via Twitter at Tara Newman, T-A-R-A-N-E-W-M-A-N, or you can find me by going to our Goodreads page. I'm pretty active on that as well.
2: Yeah, I forgot about my Twitter. Yeah, I got a Twitter too, so <laughs> Twitter me, at Dr. Jeanette.
1: <laughs> yep. What about you, Susan? Uh,
0: well, you can find me on Google+, because I am active there. Um, you and the five other people. Yes, but it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it. Um, and you can find me on Goodreads, uh, at Sue Lyons, or through Eclectic Readers Book Club. Or you can find me on Twitter, which is at Rudy Kaicho, which is spelled R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. Um, we love feedback. We love chatting about books. We love just having a continued discussion forever and ever. Amen. So um, hit us <laughs> up. And if you could, please support us. If you could go to our Patreon page, which is net slash support. Um, you know, this is... You know, kind of takes a little bit of money to help keep us running and keep the lights on. So, if you can please support us, that'll be wonderful. And special thanks to Bruce Edwards and Andreas Longa for giving us that support. Um, and if you could subscribe to your favorite podcatcher, so you can not, so you can um, never miss an episode. That'll be great. Um, that way, you're always kept current, which is good because you know we're always talking about books, 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 books. Um, and lastly, if you can rate us and Review us on iTunes that'll be fantastic. Um, get us on that what is it noteworthy page. I don't know. I haven't been on noteworthy yeah podcasts. yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I haven't been on iTunes in like forever. <laughs> um, but if you could do that, that'll be fabulous that way we can connect with other bookworms like us. so there's that. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and shelve it till next month, guys. Sounds good. Right. See you then. Bye. 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 Bye.